Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio, featuring Atlanta's very own women in technology. I'm Katie Galley, and I'm happy to be your host this morning, and I'm joined along with WIT's very own Executive Director, Sandy Welfare. So how are you doing today, Sandy? I'm doing very well, Katie. How about yourself? I am doing well, too. I'm very happy to be uh, hosting with you today. I am excited to see you again. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you. So it's true that WIT is in its 25th year. Is that correct? That is correct. We are doing some uh, great celebration this year, mainly because we have so much to celebrate and we have some fabulous women to celebrate. Mm, That's awesome. And I was lucky enough to attend one of your, uh, the WIT uh, Connect event a couple months back. And that was, that was pretty impressive. Not going to (laughs) lie. I mean, really, when we look at what happens during WIT Connect, which of course is many moving parts, mm-hmm. the young women walking across the stage doing their speeches for their scholarship awards, that's that's it. Yep. Once that happens, it's paramount to why the mission of WIT is so important and more importantly, why we need this local community support. Absolutely. And to that end, what do you think has contributed most to the longevity of WIT and you know, being in its 25th year? For the most part, I think it's the women in the multiple generations. If you were to look at baby boomers, Generation X, and even millennials, everyone has something to add to the conversation. And as the act, the access to technology engineering in particular, that has been increased because women have been championed for other women. I think the more we're able to see that aspect of how women get engaged, you'll see all those generations coming together to support each other. So I think when you look at why it continues on, you have some dedicated women wanting to ensure the next generation of leaders are ready and prepared. Absolutely. So it's about sustaining that legacy and making sure those at the forefront help those that are coming up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were having a conversation recently with another panel and I said, if I could share, you know, some of the failure that I've had for someone else not to have to go through it, Right. that that to me is paramount because so much of what exists today is because of the people before me. So if you think about each generation and how that can really change, the dynamic is great because we're all talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, it might have been generation to generation to generation, but we're broad spectrum now. So that part is it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And like you just said, it's, um, you know, you've been there before. So if you can help someone else out who is going through that similar process, but you know what to expect, you know what's going to happen or what might happen. So you can help guide them through that. Right. And it's really more about saying, here's where the the landmines are. Mm-hmm. Avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> if someone had told me that, I would have had less embarrassing situations in some of the <laughs> workplaces. But it's really more of when you're in different situations and you're not prepared or you're not aware of how the dynamics of the business operate, you may not be a part of the club of guys who go and golf every week, but mm-hmm. you're still the only woman in the room. That, it does take some getting used to. And then more importantly, it takes some maneuvering to get to the other side and be successful. Right. So it's how you find value where you're at and use that to your advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks. And I mean, congratulations on 25 years. That's really well, impressive. Thank you. thank you. So who did you bring with you today? So I bought our new marketing genius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kara Brown, who's uh, CEO for Smith Brown Marketing, came um, through a connection that I had, uh, Sonnet Edmonds, and we literally connected on email and we met for breakfast. And I just said, you know, would you be willing to work for WIT? Now, 
let me just state for the record, when she mentioned that she sent out the first Groupon, I was I, I was I was sold. <laughs> and so from there, we've pretty much worked through what WIT needs, what they can offer to help us to get to a new space. And then more importantly, how can we leverage the relationships that we both have to make both sides successful? And I think that that part has gone extremely well. So she's new to uh, Atlanta. And so, of course, I'm wanting to help every woman who's trying to do their own business, trying to do their own bill, particularly in the tech space, because marketing is a key component to it. And so, of course, this was a win-win for both both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And well, welcome to Atlanta, Cara. So um, what brings you to Atlanta? How did you first get plugged in here? And why did you decide to bring Smith-Brown Marketing here? Yeah, so I came for a job opportunity and ended up consulting. I had a consulting practice in Chicago. And so I mm-hmm. kicked it back up here in Atlanta. And it has been the most enjoyable experience. Um, coming from Chicago, it's clearly a lot bigger than Atlanta. But I think even more important than the size of the city is the willingness of the Atlanta community to help. And so I've met with individuals like Sandy and Sonnet who connected us um, or you know, a friend of mine, Michael, who introduces me to people who could potentially use our services. And everyone just is willing to lend a hand. Um, and it's not that Chicago is an unfriendly place by any stretch, but maybe it's the Southern hospitality that makes everyone really happy to to help. So it's been a really great experience. Yeah. We're never leaving. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I'm originally from New Jersey and moved down to Georgia and I just, I never want to go back. <laughs> yeah, we got a house and a boat and we're, we're good. The yeah. kids are good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's clear you see some differences in the Atlanta market versus the Chicago market. So can you delve a little bit deeper into that and just um, speaking about the community that you've found here and just the willingness to help others, how you're best serving others in the Atlanta community versus how you were able to serve others in Chicago. Yeah, I think um, Chicago is an enormous market, right? Mm-hmm. And so just because of the size of the marketplaces, there are going to be inherent differences. Okay, I do just think that the women in Atlanta, specifically the women in the entrepreneurship community in Atlanta, um, are really mission-driven to help each other. So this is WIT. Clearly does a really great job. And being a part of WIT has been an absolute joy for us. And the connections we've made there have been already really exciting for us on the professional side and personal as well. I think also there are a couple of groups here in Atlanta. The Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative is really exciting. It's run by Thea Washington. Um, and they're helping women that are on the grassroots, like really building businesses from the ground up, which is super exciting. Um, and then the other one that's really exciting for us is called the Launchpad 2X program, which is run by Bernie Dixon. And she does something um, that she calls Rocket Fuel for Female Entrepreneurs, which I think is just a, the greatest tagline. So she helps women entrepreneurs um, with all the things they don't teach you in business school about being an entrepreneur, which, by the way, is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot they don't teach you about actually running a business. Um, I can value a company really easily thanks to my finance classes, but how to hire a board, how to hire advisors, how to think about scaling, how to like the theory behind these kind of growth that we all need to do as you start a business um, that Bernie is working on for the in the Launchpad 2 program. It's just terrific. So um, she's just launched a podcast. And so, and and these women are around and they're willing to help out. Um, not that the men aren't, but <laughs> I think there's something special about women finding each other and building each other up. So part of Smith Brown's plan, our, our actual company's plan is to be a, a woman-owned business and a full woman team that breaks a million dollars. 
So um, just a little tidbit of trivia. I learned from a, a podcast that I like a lot that only 2% of all women-founded businesses will break a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, which is an astonishing number. And so our team has decided that that's our goal and that we're going to make that goal happen with an all-woman team. Wow. Yeah. So we're really excited. So that's our goal for 18. And we think that Atlanta is the best place to do that just because of what we found in the last about a year, 18 months that we've been doing business, that the the community here is really ready for that. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean that's really cool. That's awesome. And that statistic too, that you can pinpoint in on that and why it's so important to you. But uh, can you speak to a little bit about why entrepreneurship is so important to you and specifically why women in entrepreneurship are? Yeah. Being an entrepreneur is the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and I've done some hard things. <laughs> I did an Ironman. Um, I have two children, which a lot of people have, but you can also agree that being a parent, if you have children, is really hard. Um, There are just so many unknowns. And uh, there's this really cute uh, graphic that I send out to my team on Slack all the time, which is the day a day in the life of the entrepreneur and it's this little graphic that has this like mountain range going up and down <laughs> i've seen that one <laughs> exactly and that's literally how i feel pretty much every day um and i you know elon musk's recent tweet someone someone's something to him about hey it looks like your life is really great and nothing ever goes wrong for you and his response was you don't want to see the bad stuff like you know <laughs> that's not what you want to hear um and so i think empowering women to own their own um their own power, their own power in business, and to to really go toe-to-toe in the marketplace is really important. And at Smith Brown Marketing, we want to be the place in Atlanta where you can find the best women and the right women, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So I had someone say to me once, wow, that sounds awful. A whole company full of women. That sounds like a lot of cat fights. <laughs> and I said to him, we're a selective group of women. It may not be for every woman. Um, but for women who are committed to the mission like we are, that um, it's important to us, you know? So we have, a, we have a relatively small team, but we're growing. And all of the women on the team are also committed to that. Yeah, I think that's key. You know, it's finding not just any person off the street to come in, but it's finding the right team, the group of like-minded individuals who want to push that vision forward. Yeah, and everyone on the team right now is definitely mission-driven around yeah. this kind of female empowerment. Um, agenda is probably the wrong word, but mission. I really like the idea of being mission-driven. And to be honest, I never thought of myself as like a mission-driven leader. It, it always sounded a little silly to me. So you're either going to do the work and make the money or you're going to do something mission-driven. And over the last, just the last probably two months, I've been kind of reading about and thinking about this idea of being mission-driven and that your mission doesn't have to be feed the homeless or you know, do something for children, that it can be about yourself and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> And so our mission is to just kind of to to empower to empower the women on our team, but also to empower the women around us. And so our relationship with WIT is an absolute perfect fit for that. Right. Um, and being able to empower the WIT women. Just yesterday, uh, Vicki Hamilton was on um, was quoted at in WABE, which we're super proud of because it means that the work that we're doing for WIT um, and putting the WIT name out into the marketplace is really gaining traction. Um, so the great work that Sandy and her team do is becoming um, a real fabric of the Atlanta marketplace here. And that's really important to us. So it feels like a win-win, like Sandy says. It feels like a win-win. Yeah. 
Um, and that, I mean, it's great. Like you said, the community that you're building, the relationships that you're building, especially with WIT and different organizations like that, that are focused on the mission that you're trying to accomplish and helping women in entrepreneurship and building that up. Um, so it's clear that you're setting yourself apart in that marketing space with just your your goal in mind with that mission. So how else do you think that Smith Brown Marketing is setting itself apart in this uh, the marketing world and specifically in Atlanta? It's a good question. So when we think about um, kind of marketing as a whole, <laughs> my dad says this actually. He thinks of marketing as pretty pictures and trade shows. <laughs> and so, <laughs> thanks, Dad. So. Um, so it's it's so much more than that, right? right? So what we focus on is really being a, a outsourced resource for anything a company needs when it comes to marketing. So for Wit example, we run all of their social media, which we can totally do. Hmm. And when you think of an agency, you think of someone running your social media, buying your ad spend. Maybe you think of Mad Men coming up with cool content or creative solutions to you know advertising space, and we can handle that for you if that's what you want. But on the other side of what we do, we moved one client off of a very expensive Salesforce install. They only had two sales reps at the time that were really using it to a free CRM solution, right? And so we do things like that. And we migrated all the data and we managed setting up the entire process flow and then making sure that all the reports were right. And so we really like to think of ourselves as a marketing house because we can kind of do it all. Um, And it sounds like we're a jack of all trades, but that's not actually what we are. Mm We're really experts, super deep experts on the marketing of really B2B and a little bit of B2C, but mostly B2B companies. And that's where we, we find ourselves a lot. Sometimes it's the B2B2C that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So for example, a healthcare company could sell something from the healthcare company to a business, but the end customer is actually a customer. Right. And so agencies, a lot of time in the traditional sense, will get that business and try to move up the funnel in terms of trying to do the B2B work. And it's not that agencies are bad in any way, shape, or form. They're phenomenal. They're great partners for us. Um, But the B2B side isn't necessarily their forte. So we spend time on things like, what is the sales funnel? Are you using it effectively? Where does How does marketing feed into the sales funnel? Um, How are you managing the deltas between the stages in your sales funnel? Where does the data come from? So all these kind of bigger questions. I had a really interesting conversation last night with a gentleman who said, so my sales team has one tool. And when they do their work, I get all of the data from this one tool. My marketing team has 25 tools <laughs> and we can't get anything out of the market. You, know, you have your social tool and your marketing automation and et cetera, et cetera. And the average company, the average marketing group at a company has 17 pieces of technology they're using. And that's an outrageous amount of technology to try to manage. Um, and so the Smith-Brown team does a really good job of trying to make that manageable. And we're also tool agnostic. So whether your tech stack is Hootsuite and MailChimp and Sugar, or it's all Salesforce and Sprout Social, we have used and are pretty good at using all of those tools. So we can kind of make a process that works for those customers. So it's looking at what Smith-Brown is, um, what your strengths are. And then, like you said, it's not trying to do every little thing, but seeing how you can best serve the the customer, whoever that may be. And then looking, especially at the end result, like you said, with um, health centers, you know, it's B2B, but then it's really B2B to B2C. So sure. how you can best serve that whole line. Yeah. And um, my uh, my mom, I talk about my parents a lot, but my, <laughs> my mom was telling someone something about your daughter doing something. And my mom said, no, 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 she's a marketer, but Colors of the logo are the last thing she's interested in. <laughs> so um, 
we're not the team that's going to come in and say, hey, Business Radio X, the X on your logo should really be 50% that size and purple. That's not what we're going to do, right? (laughs) We're going to ask you a lot about how are you finding your listeners? Where is your revenue coming from? How can we help you grow? Um, But there's definitely a place in every marketing organization for the person that is committed to that kind of look and feel of the brand of the company, which is a piece of it, but just not what we focus on 100% of the time. Right. So it's finding your niche within marketing exactly. in the marketing technology industry. Um, so in your opinion, what do you think are some of the biggest issues that are facing the MarTech industry today? Yeah, I think the biggest one is just the volume of tools. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we were talking to the potential customer last night who... Um, has you know he has he says I have I have seventeen tools and I don't have a I don't have a way to get all the data out of those tools, um, and so the biggest kind of challenge that I would give to the Martech community is let's figure out a way to to normalize this data. Let's find a way to make this accessible for all of and for any size company, right? Um, so that's probably the biggest challenge for and. And it, there's two different challenges. It's probably one for the Martech community, and so in Atlanta we're going to release really cool spot, I think, um, because more than any other place in the country, we're kind of a MarTech hub, right? Just from Exact Target, have you been here? And Pardot still being here, Marketo. So there's lots of opportunity in Atlanta to spend time with people that know a lot about marketing technology, which is awesome. But we also tend to get a little insular. <laughs> and we only think about marketing technology, mm. where... At, at Smith Brown, we have an opportunity to look outside. So our clients are not marketing technologists. Mm-hmm. Our clients are B2B or B2C companies that really need help with marketing and marketing technology. And so we're in this really interesting space because we can give feedback to these tech companies to say, hey, listen, we're having an issue getting the data out of this, right? Or, hey, it would be really great if you connected to this other tool, right? Because we have a client that needs this connection. Um, and so we're in a, it's, it's a really cool spot, I think, back to your earlier question about Atlanta, because we have some of the best thought leaders in MarTech right here in this corridor, which is really exciting. And um, I think that's, it's interesting because I've experienced that to the, you said the volume of tools is the biggest concern or biggest issue. And it's how you go about deciding, you know, what are the best marketing tools to actually use for your company. And I mean, there's so many out there and it's easy to get bogged down and thinking you need to use every single one of them, but you don't. It's what's particular to your company, what you're trying to achieve and like you said, what your mission is. Yeah. And so um, for us, we are tool agnostic at the consulting practice. So Smith Brown Marketing, a lot of times when you go into um, a relationship with an agency or a consulting firm, they'll have kind of their chosen tool. So people are either HubSpot certified or they're Marketo certified or they're Pardot experts, um, et cetera. And we don't, we haven't kind of chosen one on purpose, right? So we have clients that are on HubSpot, we have clients that are on Salesforce, we have clients that use all the different marketing automation tools. And so we actually help our customers make those decisions. And so we can say to okay. them, hey, listen, this tool is great, but it doesn't work very well with this tool. Or this tool is great, but you should know when you get in to use this tool, in three months, you're going to need to add a reporting package because it's, the reporting on this tool is not ready yet. Um, but it's, it's, been, it's been really cool actually to watch the progression of some of these technologies. So um, I was a very early Sprout Social user. So um, Sprout Social was actually started at 600 West Chicago, which is where kind of the Groupon, Echo Global Logistics... Um, kind of came out of. And so I 
I don't know personally the guys that started the company, but I know kind of the ecosystem that they came from. And so I got to use them from really early on. And the changes in that tool over the last five to seven years has been outstanding. You know, they are just, they're constantly making new things and new features and they've opened up a whole new agency module. And so it's it's really cool to kind of be, um, a beta is the wrong word, but be kind of a super user of some of these tools and be able to say to a client like, hey, I use this five years ago when it was you know, only posting to Facebook and Twitter. And now we can do all this cool stuff and look at all this cool reporting it's doing. Um, and so that's kind of how we see ourselves as kind of these super users that can then tell the clients, hey, we've been using this for a while. This is the way you can use it. Or hey, if you don't want to use that one, we can do the same thing over here. That's, I mean, to look at the progress, like you said, touching on that, how things have progressed and understanding what's to come and kind of anticipating that, which is what you're doing through Smith Brown Marketing and helping your customers in that precise way. Um, so how do you, as a whole, see the MarTech industry progressing? And how do you think Smith Brown will anticipate that progress and fit into that and kind of get ahead of the curve? It's a really good question. Um, we like to stay on the forefront of exactly what these companies are doing. Mm-hmm. So just um, on the Smith Brown side, just making sure that we're staying on top of exactly what they're changing and updating and keeping abreast of that. Um, and then secondly, I think if I can use one specific example, there's probably two examples. One is I think that there will eventually... There is Gardner has already called out the idea of this marketing technology chief, right? So this this new C-suite kind of spot for the marketing technology chief, which makes a lot of sense because I think the, what I thought about last night was there's a there's another study that says that only 5% of marketing chiefs of CMOs uh, think that their data flows all the way through, that they have actual, that they can see every piece of data and that they can actually extrapolate it to what it means. And I thought to myself, what if that was true for CFOs? Like, what if CFOs only really saw 3% of all the money? Like, that would be a big problem. And so, um, I, if, from what I see, the future of this is going to be just that. There has, there's going to be discipline around marketing data because the C-suite is going to require it. They're going to have enough of, hey, we might think that this is the attribution model. And if you think back to um, the Mad Men days, right? You could put an article in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or or any of the, you know, Vogue even, and and you would have no idea, right? You would have general circulation, general impressions. You would have some idea that this was brand building, but it's not enough now. The C-suite wants real numbers because everyone else is giving them real numbers. Um, and so I think that's the direction where things are going. On the Smith-Brown, like on our side, we try to do that attribution and data attribution all the way through the sales funnel. So the key for us is just measuring things um, all along the entire funnel. So whether we're doing social media or you know all the way down to sales funnel attribution from the marketing to sales funnel and measuring MQL to SQL deltas. I mean, that's all part of what the C-suite is going to expect in the future. You speak, I mean, it's clear you know exactly what you're doing and you see the progress that's happening and you're very entrenched in the marketing technology industry now and you understand it. But I guess I wonder if you could reflect back a little bit on how you first got involved with this and you said before how entrepreneurship really is difficult and it's easy to stand back and look look at it from the outside and people think, oh, it's like a, a... fabulous lifestyle. You know, you get to do what you want, but I mean, it's difficult. It's it's stressful and it's hard. So, um, you know, how you got involved with MarTech and just what you're doing now with Smith Brown, 
what is the best piece of advice that you ever received and how does that help you um, in your daily struggles with trying to keep Smith Brown at the forefront of the MarTech industry? That's a great question and so timely. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like I said before, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I had a the, my most wonderful boss and I'll name his name because if he ever hears this, I want him to know. His name is Doug Wagner. And uh, he was the CEO. He still is CEO of Echo Global Logistics. And I was very fortunate to be part of their IPO in 2009. And when I left the company, he gave me three really pieces, really great pieces of advice. And the one that I remember the most is, don't love a company because it'll never love you back. Hmm. And so yeah. whenever I think it's too much, which is a lot, Katie. <laughs> 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 a lot. I'm just going to go get a full-time job. And every time I think that to myself, I remember those words because they will never love you back. And so as an entrepreneur, this is mine, right? Like, yeah. And so I can love it. And as someone who is a, a type A personality, which I'm sure you are too, <laughs> yeah. and checks all the boxes and needs gold stars, yep. <laughs> um, being my own boss, uh, and, and it gives it back to me. Somehow I'm given back what I need. And when I work in-house, I give just as much as I give when I'm an entrepreneur, but I don't get as much back. Um, not because the people that I work with are bad or that the opportunities aren't good, but it's not yours. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done, but I don't know that I could ever go back um, because it wouldn't be mine. Um, and I, I talked to a gentleman I respect a lot yesterday, and he said that you know that's a double-edged sword because the buck stops with you. Right. So all the good is yours and you share that with your team. And my team is amazing and I love sharing our successes with them. Yeah. Um, but we fail, right? And those failures are mine. And that's uh that's a that's a really big kind of the first one you're like, wow. <laughs> all right. Let's let's not do that again. <laughs> right. And so uh, but you know, you pick yourself up and you do it again and you surround yourself with really tremendous people. And I have been outrageously fortunate to be surrounded and have a network of people that I can call and ask questions to and get feedback from. And uh, and it's it's been really terrific. So thanks for that question. That was good. Yeah, no problem. And um, I can attest to that too, what you said. You know, the company will never love you back. There are times, I mean, I'm an entrepreneurship as well. And I've gone through, you know, phases of, oh, I should just get a full-time job <laughs> because, you know, you... It just feels like that's what you're supposed to do, but that's a really good point. It's the company will never love you back and owning your own failures, everything you do, you take ownership of and it's you're in charge of it. And there's something terrifying, but also really beautiful about that. <laughs> yeah. And it's um yeah, and there's nothing wrong. I shouldn't say that. There's nothing wrong with having a full time job. Right. No, right? Not like, at all. Absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. And and uh and I appreciate my team for them all having full time jobs, right? And not owning it. And there's right. something really I know there's something really sacred about the relationship, especially right now, because we're a super small team between the team putting their faith in me to execute this. Mm. And so there's something about when you work for a big company, there's like a safety net, right? right. Um, and not always, but usually there's some sort of safety net. Like if you leave the company, your team will still survive, right? And so, yeah. um, but as an entrepreneur, when you hire people, they expect like you are paying their rent and their car payment yeah. and putting food on their table. And there is something so sacred in that relationship of those first few employees yeah. that are ready and willing to take a risk on you as a leader. And I think that's probably been the biggest um, eye-opener, but kind of the biggest thing I've taken away from just the last few months as we've scaled pretty quickly. 
in the last few months that uh, this isn't just for me anymore. Maybe that's maybe that's it. I'm kind of yeah. pontificating now, but that you're not as an entrepreneur as that has a team, not just by myself. Because I was by myself for a long time. As an entrepreneur now with a team, I'm now doing it for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're on your own or when you're an employee, you don't really have that kind of, that responsibility. Um, it's a big responsibility and something I take really seriously. Um, and I guess having all, you know, the advice that you received and having the knowledge of working by yourself and now working with the team and having the opportunity to work with WIT and seeing women in technology and just what it means in particular to you. What advice would you offer to someone, I, you know, maybe pursuing entrepreneurship or thinking about becoming an entrepreneur as well as someone who is interested in a career in STEAM? So... Um... Two questions there, right? So the yeah. entrepreneur and then the steam. So on the entrepreneur side, this is going to sound a little jaded, but it's the best advice that I think I could give at this point in my career in this entrepreneurial journey is get everything in writing. Hmm. Um, even if it's... I, I, went to a, I went to a breakfast one day and I wanted to share a business idea with this woman. And I said, I really should have you sign an NDA before I tell you this. And she said, okay. And we whipped out three napkins and... <laughs> I'm no joking. And every woman at the table signed an NDA. And it was on the back of a napkin. But it holds up in court if you ever needed to. And I still have this napkin in a file folder in the office. And so just even those little things. Don't leave anything hanging. There's a lot of people that are going to want you to do things for free. Working for free is not work. It's volunteering. But um, people are going to want you to do things for free. People are going to want you to do a favor. And do them, right? Do the favors. But also know your value right. and put your value in writing. I think mm-hmm. that's really important on the entrepreneurial side. On the STEAM side, I think find a mentor. Find someone in your network. WIT is an amazing place to find these women. And these women are will- ready and willing to help. Mm-hmm. Right, And so reach out, find someone. And if the organization isn't helping you for whatever reason, like maybe you're in the wrong channel or you found the wrong person, go to the event find a speaker and ask her to be your mentor. <laughs> like yeah. anyone or ask her to introduce you to someone that could be a mentor to you. I think the the best thing that I've done um in terms of of really being able to learn from people is really asking that question, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. And asking that question puts people in a position of like um yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you think I'm cool enough to be your mentor? Like <laughs> Uh, okay, where do I sign up? And um, and and I think that's really important to and that they're on your side. And a lot of you know people might say no, and that's okay. They right. don't have enough time. Maybe it's not the right person. That's okay. Don't take it personally. It's just business. Um, but finding someone to be able to have that like, oh my gosh, and have them on speed dial to say, I need your help on this. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, is really important. And on the mentor note, I would say find someone who is the opposite of you. Wow. So my mentor, I am, a, I am an operations-focused person. If you give me a task, I will do it and I will check the box and I want a gold star. That's my personality. <laughs> the person that I asked to be my mentor is a very strategic thinker. And so when I say to him, I need to solve this problem, is it A or B? He'll say to me, why don't we think about this and we'll use a SWOT analysis. And I'm like, could you just give me the answer? Because I just want the answer. <laughs> Um, so his perspective being the total opposite of mine gives me a whole nother way to think about the problems that I have to solve. And so we mm. tend to hire, engage with, 
like to spend with time with people that are just like us. Mm -hmm. And so my only advice for those people that would like to get into a mentorship relationship, either with someone in the STEM community uh, or STEAM community or just in general, is to find someone who thinks differently than you because it will open up all different sorts of things that you never even thought were possible. That's so interesting. Here, here. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I think it's it's actually important to diversify as much as possible. If you're white, look for someone who's black. If you're female, look look for someone who's male. I think that you need as many perspectives, particularly if you were looking for the truth. And that to me is paramount to a great mentorship. That's a great point. The person I was talking about is a guy, um, but I'm also a mentee to an African-American man. And so I think that's, it's super important perspectives on not just how you do work, but how you perceive the world. Oh, absolutely. And I think the way we engage with people, it just speaks volumes to the fact that we now are multi-generational, multi-cultural. It's across the gamut. And so everyone's wanting to figure out what's going to be the answer. I'm probably more like uh, Kara when it comes to just tell me the answer. Really, I, in many cases, just tell me what I want to hear. Um, (laughs) But the people who really challenge me are the ones that have been the best mentors, the ones who really do tell you the truth. That's a great point. And I honestly hadn't actually thought about that. It's interesting to hear because it's, it's easy to find someone who is just like you and you gravitate towards people like you in mentorship roles and friendship roles, just relationships in general, but to actively go look for someone who is not like you in so many different ways just the kind of growth that that could be. And it it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you step out of your comfort zone. But that's, I mean, I guess that's the point, you know, to see if you can have the courage to reach out to someone who is nothing like you and see what their perspective is, because it's probably something you never even thought of or never would have thought of. Yeah, I actually married the right person. <laughs> he's the total opposite of me <laughs> in something. Some things were really similar, but um, he's now become, at the, the Smith Brown team, he's become... Um, our hiring manager, essentially. I'm not allowed to hire anyone until they meet my husband. That's, that's the <laughs> rule. Because he has things that I don't. Mm-hmm. And he can see things that I can't. Um, so, we, you know, business or personal, it works, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's this true. You know, like you were speaking at, about Smith Brown as a whole and now focusing in on yourself. You know your strengths and you know what values can best serve your organization or serve a person. But in recognizing your strengths, you have to also recognize your weaknesses. So filling those roles with people who will support those weaknesses that you perceive in yourself or in your company. That is the biggest challenge in leadership and scaling. Mm-hmm. I really, I really firmly believe that going from being on my own to having a team. And I used to think it was just what can you accomplish? Right? right. I have a skill set, it's X, you have a skill set, it's Y. You go do Y and I'll do X. Yeah. And as I'm growing in this um, in this journey, I'm realizing that it's so much more than that. It's it's just it's a thousand times more than that. And so we are um, we're hiring right now for someone to join our team, and we're we're under the the new rule of hire slow, right? <laughs> hire the hire slow, fire fast. But we are hiring slowly, and we're being very diligent about it. And the whole team is involved, and people that are much more emotionally intelligent than I am are helping make the decision. <laughs> Um, but it's it's been a really cool journey and it's really neat to be able to parallel the professional journey with the personal journey. Mm-hmm. And so the girls and I always talk about when we write the book um, that will parallel the personal and the professional journey like through the book. It's 
the joke we have that we're going to write a book. Um, <laughs> we probably won't write a book, but it's good to talk about it because it gives us all kind of a perspective on how to think about things. I mean, I'd read that book, so you could write Well, it. awesome. We'll send you a copy. <laughs> thank you. I look forward to receiving it. Um, well, Kara, thank you. I mean, you've, you've offered some really great insight. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they best reach you and you know, a website, just connect with you directly. Yeah, thanks. I've had a great time today. It's not nearly as nervous as I thought I would be. <laughs> um, you can just find us at smithbrownmarketing.com. Okay. And I'm Kara uh, at smithbrownmarketing.com, K-A-R-A. Um, but anyone on the team will reach back out. Great. Awesome. And uh, Sandy, bring it back over to you. So um, how can someone best get in touch with you? And also, what is uh, what can we expect coming out of WIT in the uh, future? Well, next week is our WIT forum. And so it's on career discussions. And we're going to have table hosts from a gamut of different women. So we're going to have the 2016 Women of the Year as table hosts. Kara is going to be a table host. And women will be able to go to different tables, get different perspectives, and they'll be able to switch to a different table. So you'll be able to have two interesting conversations. And it goes from uh, the CEO of Vine to uh, the CEO of um, Agile. So there's all kinds of great conversations that's going to be had next Wednesday, 7.30 at Magiano's mywit.org. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome that you have, um, you know, all those connections with people and have that availability open to people. It's like a rapid networking, I guess. They can go to different tables and listen to um, different executives and people in charge of companies. Right. And I think for the most part, what we're really trying to get women to see, whatever you're doing now, what we figured out, particularly for women in transition, you might need to learn new skills to get mm-hmm. the next opportunity. The way the world is working now in terms of Loyalty is a thing of the past in terms of company loyalty. So you really do have to have multi-talents, multi-skills that will help you land that next opportunity. If you're wanting to be an entrepreneur, you mm-hmm. have someone like her that you could talk to. Yeah. And that, I mean, it kind of brings it full circle to where we first started, you know, leaving that legacy and inspiring the next generations with things that you already know, things that you already went through and helping helping young men and women in growing towards that path through technology. Um, thank you so much, Sandy, for being here. And uh, thank you, Kara. It was really, I mean, for sharing your story with Smith Brown and just everything with your legacy. And Sandy, you want to... And just more one thing? more point. November 16th is our 2017 Women of the Year Awards. And of course, we want as many nominations. Nominations close on Friday. So we're wanting okay. as many uh, cool women to be nominated and more importantly, for women to come out and support those uh, fabulous winners. And of course, we'll have the Girl of the Year as well. Uh, November 16th, Georgia Aquarium six o'clock. And who is eligible to be nominated for Woman or Girl of the Year? If you go on our website, it'll give you the full range of nominations. But for the most part, we're looking for women who are leaders within their companies and then leaders who are connected to the community. So we really want that uh, well-rounded person who's not only doing it personally, they're doing it professionally and they're really giving back. Wow. Well, that's great. So uh, you can go to mywit.org, correct? And uh, do that, nominate people. And Carol, just one more time, how can we best get in touch with you? SmithBrownMarketing.com. SmithBrownMarketing.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kara. Um, and uh, thank you all for listening in today. This is Katie Galley for Sandy Welfare. And we will see you all next time on the WIT Special Edition of Atlanta Business Radio.